Our first reading this morning is from Isaiah chapter 62. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken and your land shall no Lord be termed desolate. But you shall be called my delight is in her and your land married. For the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. The Gospel according to John, the second chapter. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. Jesus said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. And when the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it had come from, Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God and our Savior Jesus. Amen. Welcome to our fourth week of reading through the Gospel of John. We have heard that Jesus is the light of the world, that John the Baptist calls us to be a reflection of that light. And last week, Jesus called his first disciples simply by inviting them to come and see. And that is what the disciples did for others. Evangelism 101. It is not about you trying to convert someone. It is simply about inviting them to come and see what you have received. As Martin Luther said, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel. That is a beautiful gift, that we are called to God. And we are also called to one another. And that is why we have our weddings. They can be great. But a great marriage is even better. 
As a pastor, that is what I'm most concerned about. During pre-marriage counseling, I often play the antagonist. My opening question is, why do you want to get married? Aren't you happy with the way things are? I want them to fight for their relationship, to embrace the fullness of the person, the good and the bad of whom they are committing their life to. I want them to get beyond their honeymoon into the nitty-gritty of what it takes to have a wonderful, God-inspired marriage. One exercise I like to do is to talk through a fight that they have had, or even better, about one they're currently having. To be in a lifelong relationship, you need to learn how to fight fair and for a future. It should never be about winning a particular argument. If the couple tells me, we've never had a fight, I reply, well, let's start one. There is one particular couple who had a number of arguments to choose from. We chose one. We walked through it, talked about what they had learned, things that they would do differently in the future. And then we ended by them praying for each other, and then I prayed over them. During my message at their wedding, I said to them, in a few minutes, you will say your vows and move from being a boyfriend and a girlfriend to husband and wife, but what will sustain you is to remember that you are always children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. They understood what I was talking about because of our pre-marriage counseling. But the bridesmaid, the bridemaid, who was previously looking around, chomping on her gum, turned to me and said, gross, brothers and sisters? It wasn't really the time nor the place to have a theological discussion. Thankfully, the bride turned to her and said, I'll explain it later. And the wedding continued. I haven't used that statement again at a wedding. But it will always be a topic during our pre-marriage counseling. In Isaiah, the people are having an argument with God. Their demand is for God to make Jerusalem a legitimate force, a bright light, so the nations and all the kings see God's glory. They want to become the crown jewel and not be forsaken. The people are returning after being in exile. Now they want to be in the palm of God's hand, to be married to the Lord who delights in them. As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall God rejoice. Yet they want to do all of it themselves in the manner that they see. And they will not be silent until it happens. This argument is resolved as God renews the promises with the people. In the final chapter... We hear God's vows. Thus says the Lord, I will give you peace. I will comfort you. I will put a mark on some of you. And I will send some to the nations, to people who have never heard about what God has done or seen God's glory. Now and forevermore, your names and your children will always be with me. God reminds them that as a people, they are the bride to the bridegroom. But more importantly, they will forevermore be children of God. In our gospel reading, 
we have an argument between a mother and a son. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and me? My hour has not come. With that, I picture a dramatic pause. Mary gives that parental look to Jesus. You know what I, you know that look. And in a glance, the parent communicates, I'll have none of this. And then she turns, and as she walks away from him, she calls over her shoulder to the servants, do whatever he tells you. This argument is resolved as Jesus honors his mother. How appropriate that six stone water jars for the Jewish rite of purification, holding 20 to 30 gallons, was available. Even more amazing, Jesus has others take what he miraculously made to the chief steward, who then compliments the bridegroom. For Jesus' time had not come yet. However, this first sign was to reveal his glory to his disciples who believed in him. In both of these readings, God and the Israelites, Jesus and his mother, it is the relationship that matters. Both embrace the fullness of it, the good and the bad, committing to one another. Both demonstrate that faith is about getting beyond the honeymoon into the nitty-gritty of life, trusting the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide you. What a wonderful reminder for all of us. We have a God who keeps promises and honors others. Both of these situations could have played out much differently, as do so many relationships. But regardless of what happens, let us fight right for a future, knowing that God desires to give peace and comfort to all people. We have been marked with the cross of Christ. Forevermore, children of God, that is what we can invite others to come and see. May we be a congregation and as individuals be a reflection of Jesus, the light of the world, to reveal God's glory so that all might come to believe in his name. Amen.